always great to have a men's ensemble. We do that usually after we have the men's breakfast. If you missed the men's breakfast, I missed it yesterday. I had a scouting event at a, at a camp nearby, but uh, about 40 or so men came. That's always going to be the last Saturday of each month, 9 a.m. Uh, we'd love to have you for that. It's a good time of fellowship, and you get to sing, and some of you get to be forced to sing. And I told John uh, before, when he got up here, I said, you know, just ask the congregation, is there anybody in the room that desires to be a man? We need them up here on stage. And that pretty much would have filled it, but I, he wasn't as brave as I am. Of course, I've, you know, I'm no, no longer the minister of music, so I can get away with those kind of things. So kind of things that we do. But uh, as we uh, look in the passage this morning, and as we look in Ephesians and what the Apostle Paul has for us, and really what the Lord has for us, the most often question that I'm asked once a person walks in the aisle or once a person invites Christ into their heart is, what do I do now? Um, and I think one of the reasons that that question comes up is because so much of our experience is focused upon the initial decision to trust Christ. And then, as I've said many, many times before, a lot of times we've really failed to give proper what we would call discipleship or instruction about what do you do now. Now that I'm a believer, what do I do? How do I, how do I navigate the waters of life? How do I navigate uh, kind of a life and, and job and family and you know whether it's uh, if it's a young person that comes to Christ one of the questions they eventually ask you know what you know what should I what, what do I do what, do I need to do I need to go into ministry do I you know do what, what does God expect of me uh, and we're, we're a lot like that we kind of want to know what the requirements are before we sign up for something and so a lot of times the church has bottled Christianity as a commodity and in bottling it as a commodity we've left out some significant tenets of the faith and one of the the crucial things that I think not only that the early church struggled with but even the church today I mean in this day and time as I was uh, talking on Wednesday evening uh, if you go and you look at church growth movement or you look at statistics about evangelical churches or Baptist churches or um, you know, churches that are arise here in this country you'll see that church attendance is in great decline and uh, that's a symptom of a greater problem and the greater problem is that we are not growing disciples in fact we're planting churches by leaps and bounds as a matter of fact there are more churches today and more missionaries around the world today to affect the population of today but they're not growing at the rate of population growth so we have a huge issue to tackle and a a lot of the issues that we face in the body of Christ, a lot of the issues that you and I face in life, uh, we don't have just our, our public life and our private life. We don't get to separate those as much as we'd like to dream and imagine that to happen. But that our personal life, our public life, and our spiritual life is all encapsulated in one entity or being. So, you know, as much as we would like to compartmentalize and say, well, I have a family life, I have a work life, I have a school life, I have a home life, and I have a church life, and I have a spiritual life, as if we can allocate specific things to each of those. No, ladies and gentlemen, you have a life. We have a life, and it incorporates all of those things. So as we accept Christ and as we trust in Jesus as our personal Lord and Savior, which I think is extremely, extremely important, that's why we're here, we have to determine what now. And in Ephesians, the chapter 4, verse 11 through 13, as I read earlier, it says, Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. And so what that says to me and what that should say to us is that all of us 
have a call to answer. All of us have a calling on our lives to answer. And it doesn't, listen, this is not an exhaustive list in verse 11. It's not that Christ only called apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. He was giving, Paul was writing, he's giving examples of the things that God calls people to do. But God calls every single one of us to a specific function, to a specific purpose and one of the the dangers i think one of the scary things in ministry is i can run into people in their mid-40s and mid-50s that still don't know what they're called to be and i'm going to say called to be because i'm going to get away from being called to do we're very good at doing we're not tremendously great at being um and i'll get to that in a few minutes but the main question I want to ask, what are you called to be? Well, you're called to be a follower of Christ, first and foremost. We all have a calling to accept Christ, but the calling is only the beginning part of the spiritual walk. It is not an end unto itself. The calling to accept Christ is the beginning point of a conversation, an ongoing, intimate conversation with God. And so as a result of trusting in Him, of surrendering our hearts, our lives to the Lordship of Christ, the fellowship of Christ, as we pursue Him with all that we are, all of our ambitions, all of our longings, the joy and everything else that comes as a result of pursuing Him, we have a call specifically to answer. Now, if you're like me, how many of you have gotten rid of home phones? Isn't it great? It's awesome. I hate home phones. I always have hated home phones. And you know, when the home phone used to go off, every home, uh, every phone in the house would go off. And you have to make a decision, are you going to answer the phone or are you not? Now, you still do that with your cell phones. Although we can, we can say, well, I didn't hear it when it went off or, you know, I wasn't around. Maybe it's true, maybe it's not. Maybe you just didn't want to take the call. If you've ever been one of those people. But um, we make a decision to answer the calls that come in. When someone is calling us, it means that they're trying to get in touch with us. They're wanting to converse with us. They want to have a conversation with us. They may be checking up on us to find out how we've been. They may be asking, uh, they may be asking about our children. They may be asking about something specific they need from us as we work together in an environment or we have a relationship with them. But every time someone calls, no one calls on the phone just to listen. People call on the phone to have a conversation. Therefore, kind of uh, imperative or uh, kind of in the backdrop of what it means to have a conversation, when God calls, you and I need to answer that call. The phone doesn't automatically get answered when God calls us. Some of us run from that phone call, so to speak. Some of us run for years from what we know that God is calling us to do. And I've given my testimony before about how I didn't want to be in ministry and I kind of ran from that. I didn't want to go on missions. I never dreamed of going uh, uh, halfway around the world to a third world country. That wasn't in my scope. I was called to a specific place, to a church, and that was it. I mean, I'm good about talking about missions, etc. But when, in my heart of hearts, I knew that my calling was to go to the ends of the earth. That's God's call on my life. I knew that it was to preach the gospel at all times using words only when necessary. And so my calling has kind of evolved over the years. Now, we're afraid of that word evolve because of evolution. Woo! And what that means. But I'm going to suggest to you that if your Christian faith is not evolving, then your Christian faith is static. And if your Christian faith is static, it is not surrendered unto the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because the gospel of Christ 
according to the Bible, is power. And power is not stagnant. It is moving. It is living. It is breathing. It is dynamic. It is charismatic. We don't need to be committed to being Baptists. We need to be committed to being followers of Jesus Christ. Because I'm going to submit to you, God is not going to ask us when we enter the pearly gates of heaven or, we, or when we round the, the, the corner to judgment. He's going to say, were you a good Baptist? He doesn't give any care about whether you and I are Baptists. What he cares about is, were you a follower of my son Jesus Christ? Did you surrender your life to him in that first step uh, uh, that you made? And have you pursued the call that I have given him and you through the work of the Holy Spirit? Have you answered the call that I gave you? Have you fulfilled your purpose all of us have a call to answer some of you the phone is still ringing and you've been ignoring it you've tried to go to another room you've tried to have another experience you've tried to run and fill your life with something hoping that you'll avoid the overwhelming call of God on your life and what I want to suggest to you is you can run from God but you and I will never be able to hide from God the call will continue to come the pressure will continue to rise and your nerves will continue being on edge until you and I surrender to the Lordship of Christ. Because here's the thing, God wants you where He wants you. He wants to place you in a better place. He wants to purpose yours and my life in a, in a, in a better way, in a more succinct way that advances His kingdom. Have you answered the call of God on your life? Some were apostles, some were prophets, some were evangelists, some were pastors, some were teachers. What are you? And you think about that. If I was to come up with you, if I was to come up to you today and say, what are you? Most of you would go, I'm an American. Great. Where do you find that in scripture? Or you'll say, I'm a Baptist. Great! At least the word is found in scripture. Not so sure it means the exact same thing. What are you? Are you embodying the call of God? Have you answered the call that is ringing in your heart and your mind? And here's the thing. When God speaks and one God calls, you and I know it. If we have the Holy Spirit living in there's no, listen... We can try to rationalize it all day long. We can try to think our way out of it and logically argue with God. We can even wrestle with God. And there are people who have wrestled with God in the Bible. And we find out what happens to those who wrestle with God. Or those who wrestle with an angel of God. They get their hip dislocated. That's not a pleasant experience. So I would just suggest to you, it's much easier, listen, it's much easier to answer the call of God. You say, well, what is your biblical uh, illustration that you would give to that? the Bible read the entire Bible uh, but specifically uh, I'll, I'll go back and take that old childhood story of Jonah now Jonah was a person that was called by God he knew it hello God's call had rung out he answered the phone so to speak he knew what he was called and his calling was to go and preach to the Ninevites he didn't like the Ninevites the Ninevites were not from his clan the Ninevites were not his people necessarily they weren't the people that he was interested in converting so 
he determined that the frequency was bad, uh, that God had spoken through an AM station perhaps, and he was on FM, and, and, and so they, because the connection is bad, he decided, I'm going to do what I'm going to do, which is kind of the American way. We're going to do what we want to do because we're independent, and we can, we can suffice by ourselves. And so he goes on a journey, and a storm comes up, and then what does he realize? What does he realize in the midst of the storm? The reason the storm's happening is because I have been disobedient to God. Well, out you go. So by not following God, by not pursuing and answering his call. Listen, it's one thing to hear his call. It's another thing to answer his call. Many of us hear it. Few will choose to follow it. But God's call remains. And so Jonah does his own thing. He gets thrown out in the water. And this great big fish. And some have said it was a whale. Some have said it was a shark. I don't really care what it was. Don't care. The point is, he got to live in the belly of a well for three days. And people have argued about that. Whether it was three 24-hour periods or whether it was, you know, symbolic. I don't care. How many of you want to live in the belly of a fish one nanosecond? None of us do. But Jonah lived in the belly of a well. Now, I don't know if you know much about the belly of a fish. But when I used to go fishing and I would, you know, kind of fillet those fish. And you cut open the stomach. There's all kinds of interesting things in there. It's not exactly a place that you and I would want to thrive and flourish but it was absolutely needed for Jonah to recognize, you know what, pursuing God may be a better option for me. Because doing what I want to do has not led me to good things. As a matter of fact, I believe the realization came from that. Not when he was on the boat. Not when the storm came. Not when he was thrown overboard. Not when he was swallowed by the great fish. But when he was spit up in vomit from that fish on a neighboring beach. And so he gets up and he goes and he is just wiped out if you read in the story there's this cute cute little subplot of him going and he sits under a tree and that tree provides him shade and it's an amazing story and I'm like why is this stuck in the midst of this story and, and to me the most beautiful part of Jonah is not Jonah and the great fish the most beautiful part of the story is Jonah and the tree because this tree provides shade and what happens well there's this uh, this worm or this insect, I think as the Bible says, and it goes and it destroys the tree. It kills the tree. And Jonah mourns the loss of the tree more than he mourns the loss of Nineveh. Be careful what you value is the message of Jonah. Be careful what you pursue. Are you pursuing things that you're called to pursue? Are you pursuing things for your own gain? Sometimes we care more for the trees than we care for the people. Sometimes we care more for animals than we do for people. Now listen, I'm not going to get into this whole animal rights thing and all that, but I'm going to suggest to you this. We need to care for God's creation we need to care for animals and plants and everything else. But we are called to reach the lost. We are called to pursue the kingdom of God, to answer his call. And Jonah's dilemma, listen, listen, botanists would have loved Jonah. They still do to this day because he cared so much for the plant. But when you and I care more for a plant that is going to perish more than we care for souls that need to be touched by the almighty God who's touched our lives and called us there's a problem in our walk with Jesus there's a problem with our walk with God are we are we answering the call of God that we've been given 
we need to discover our gift, hear the call of God, as many many of us have heard, and answer that call. What does it mean to answer the call? Well, I'll tell you what it doesn't mean. There's a persistent person, and the staff kind of get a kick out of this. There's a persistent person, a salesman, that calls me from Texas. And he will disguise the numbers that he calls by, and he wants to sell me curriculum. And his curriculum is like six, seven, every time, it's a $700 deal. But we're going to give you a 75% discount. We're going to give you a 70 And, I mean, it's like a 40, he wants a couple minutes of my time. And I can tell he's reading a card. And so my time is worth more than the 45 minutes that I'm going to spend with you just to tell you, no, I'm not interested in your curriculum. If I wanted your curriculum, I would do it. And so sometimes, unfortunately, he changes numbers and he gets me on the phone and I'll say, First Baptist Church, hello, Pastor Todd, it's so good. You know, kind of the the salesman lingo, the, the kind of the salesman voice. Pastor Todd, it's so nice to talk to you today. How is your beautiful Monday going? And I'm like, it's great. And uh, he said, well, I just wanted to let you know that we have a new series that we're unfolding this month. And we would love for you to sign up for it. It'd be great for your church and couples. You know, aren't you about couples? Aren't you about taking the gospel to the nations? And on and on and on and on and on and on and on. And um, this is what I do, ladies and gentlemen. I've got work to do on Monday morning. So I put it on speakerphone. And I sit there. Uh-huh. I mean, I, I'm, I'm just being honest with what I do. Some of you do that too. But some of us do it when God calls. We answer the call. Sort of like the Wizard of Oz. There's a wizard. We know he's behind the curtain. But we're not going to peer behind the curtain because we're afraid if we have a dramatic encounter with God, it might lead us to have to do something else or be someone else or change the dynamics of our relationship, change the dynamics of our fellowship, change the dynamics of what we do. Let me tell you something. God is more interested in changing who we are than what we do. Now, we equate doing as being, and it's not the same. God is calling us to be more than he's calling us to do. Listen, anybody can do good things. Lost people can do good things. God's calling us to be different. God is calling us to pursue him in a different sort of way. Not just to look apart, but to drastically be apart. All of us have a call to answer. What's your call? Have you answered it? Are you pursuing it? Second, I want you to look at this. In verse 12, he says, you know, we call all these individuals. And he says, verse 12, to equip his people for works of service. The purpose of our call from God is to equip the church for service. Notice that the calling of God is rarely about us. It's not about Developing our little kingdom, or developing our little ministry, or developing anything about us. It is about advancing the purpose of the church. Equipping the church for service. Our purpose is not to be served, but our purpose is to serve. Churches that do not serve have missed their call and have thwarted God's purpose. So, let me say it another way. Churches who do not serve consist of individuals who are wasting their lives for what they believe 
is worthy of the gospel. I believe that there is a cloud of delusion in local churches all over the place. People that think that they're pursuing God's will. People that think and believe that they are exemplifying God's call on their lives. But everything about them, everything about the organization of the church, everything about the mission of the church, everything about the heartbeat of the local church is all about what they can get, who they can receive, reaching out for members so that they can grow. Our ultimate goal is not growth. Our ultimate goal is to serve under the Lordship of Christ. We don't grow the church. Deacons don't grow the church. Staff don't grow the church. Staff don't grow the ministry. The pastor doesn't grow the church. The Holy Spirit grows the church. Our job is to show up answer the call, pursue Christ with all that we are, and let Him handle church growth. Because guess what? It's not ours, it's His. The purpose of our call is to equip the church for service. So that churches who do not serve consist of individuals who are wasting lives that they believe is worthy of the gospel. And here's the thing. How do you know that this happens? How do you know this exists? Look around at churches. Take a polling of churches. Just consider Carter County. Of all the churches, regardless of denomination in Carter County, the large majority of churches in Carter County are not, are not growing. The largest percentage of churches in Carter County are plateauing and declining. And listen, it's not because they're not good people in those places. But the problem is that many, many of those people who are good people they're our neighbors. They're our friends. We shop with them in Ingalls and Food City and Walmart. We pump gas beside them. They're our friends and family that go to other churches and other places. But they've done what so many of us have done as well, and maybe perhaps what so many of us are doing today. They're busy doing church, but they fail to be the church that God has purposed them to be. There's a difference in doing and being. You and I can be convinced to do anything. But to call us out of who we are into who we need to be. I mean, the verb to be is to become. It is, you know, I am, you are, he or she or it is, we are, you are, they are. To go on all these conjugations. The verb to be, the whole essence of to be implies existence. Some of us exist as a hollow shell and the life of the church, we're doing good things. Listen, we'll sign up on the wall out here to do treat street. We're going to do, 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 do. We'll do, 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 do. You like that? Yeah, it leads to a mess. Stinks sometimes, too. We're good at doing. But God has called us to be. And not just to be busy doing just to be his hands his feet his heart for a lost and dying generation some of us are still flying by the seat of our pants some of us have learned church so well that we're good at mimicking it we're good at using the right lingo we fly under the radar because we have memorized things to say and ways to tell the story that kind of show that we know what we're talking about. Listen, 
We can talk a talk all day long. We can talk about our experience, having taken that experience from somebody else's story and apply it to our own and spiritualize it and make it sound great and grandiose. But that doesn't change who we are. God is not interested in having you put on a new pair of shoes or a new suit or a new dress. God's not interested in you taking an amazing shower and you dolling up and you smelling good and all that stuff. God is not interested. I mean, we focus on that. I mean, I mean, the magazine industry is, is billions and billions of dollars telling us how to be glamorous, how to, how to really look the part, how to, be, how to be the man that we need to be, how to be the woman that we need to be. And what they're focused on is everything that is external. External change does not lead to internal grace. Internal grace will inevitably lead to external change because God is not interested in solving the looks. God is interested in solving who we are and whose we are. The calling of God goes out. Are we answering his call? The purpose of our call is to equip the church for service, not to be busy. There's a lot of dying churches that are busy. But to be the church that he's purposed us to be. And then, I want you to notice the great, the great, great, great truth that's found in Ephesians 4, verse 13. We equip the people for works of service so the body of Christ may be built up. And then verse 13 until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Now, that is Christianese, that is Paulese, and this is what it means to me and to you and for our purpose, and it, it's exactly what it meant in their purpose, and that's this. Growth is not merely numerical. Growth is unity. The purpose of advancing his kingdom, the purpose of embracing the gospel, the purpose of being rather than doing, all the purpose of being an evangelist, an apostle, a prophet, a pastor, a teacher, or anything else that you and I are called to do as we equip the church for service, the ultimate goal, it does not say in Ephesians chapter 4, is to grow the church in numbers. If you want to look back, you look back in the, at the Acts church, the earliest church, Yes, they baptized 3,000. They baptized this many. I mean, droves of people were coming to the faith. But their intention, listen, their intention was not specifically on getting people in their door or in their cell group or in their home. Their intention was to glorify the Lordship of Christ and to be whom God called them to be. When the church, listen, when we as the body of Christ, when we start being rather than merely doing our entire world will be turned upside down growth is not merely numerical growth is unity growth is unity that creates maturity the ultimate goal is that we would be mature why so that we can experience the fullness I want you to think about your service to the local church, either here or to where you've previously been. If you're visiting with us this morning, maybe you're here because you've, uh, you know, you've been at a church and you've been attending a church, maybe you've been a member a long time, 
and just things don't feel right or, or disconnected. Here's the thing, and, and we would love to have you at First Baptist Church, but I want you to understand that. Understand this. Don't leave the place where you are now near, merely because you're not getting what you want. The question you have to ask yourself, have I answered my call? Am I fulfilling his purpose? Am I seeking to equip the church growing in unity towards maturity in the faith? There are so many people in churches all over Elizabethan and Carter County and in northeast Tennessee and all across this country and all across the world that are filled with people that love Jesus that are running on empty. They're running on empty. They get frustrated. They're tired. And it's usually produced by those that came up with that statistic. Well, 80% of the work is done by 20% of the people. Well, there's a reason that 80% of the work is done by 20% of the people. Because the 80% are doers. And they're not beers. If 80% of the people would be what Christ is calling to be. Listen, listen, listen to me very carefully. Ministry is not what I do. Ministry is who I am. Therefore, I mean, I've, I've run into many of you and say, oh, you must be exhausted at this. And listen, it can be exhausting, but let me tell you something. Ministry is thriving for me. What's exhausting is to sit back and watch. And it's not watching that's an absence from doing. Because listen, when you answer your call, when you're living in the shadow of the Almighty, when you are fulfilling God's purpose for your life and for the advancement of His kingdom, you're not focused on you. You're focused on His will. You're not serving out of your strength. You're serving in the God who created the universe. You're serving in the strength of one who advanced the causes of his people, the Israelites. You're serving the one who defeated the giant Goliath. You're serving the one that brought the walls of Jericho down, not because of axe or sword or rock or catapult, but by the name of the Lord Most High. The reason we live unfulfilled lives is because we've not been filled by him because we've been focused on doing, 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 doing. And not being the person, the family, the church that he's called us to be. We reach unity in our knowledge. It's not that we create cookie cutter Christians where all of us look alike, talk alike, and have all the same beliefs in totality. God doesn't want, God, listen, God created us as a diverse congregation, and I'm all about diversity, I love diversity, but listen, diversity is not the point of the church. We grow through our diversity towards the unity of the body of Christ. We may be diverse, we may be different, but when we come together in the body of Christ, we're not focused on what separates us. We're not focused on our individual agendas. We're not focused on our individual soapboxes. We are focused on the dynamic triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit incarnate in the person of Christ who has changed our lives, who has called our lives, who has purposed our lives, and wants us not to do better, but to be better in Him. That's the difference. 
in a growing church, in a dying church. A growing church is not focused on the individual. A growing church is focused on the corporate. I love the quote of John F. Kennedy as he gave. He said, ask not what your country can do for you, but ask what you can do for your country. And I would change the wordage of that and give two statements. Ask not what God can be for you, but ask what you can be for God. Ask not what your church can do for you, ask what you can be for His church. That will change your life. Doing, jumping through hoops, trying to discern the best way to look the part. Listen. You can run from God. You can try to hide from His imminent call. But God will find you. God will seek you out. In the end, you will come to the same conclusion as Jonah. Now Jonah ignored God's call. He pursued what he wanted. He went on his own journey on a cruise. Went on a cruise. Get away from God. Nothing wrong with a cruise. However, if you get thrown over in the midst of a storm and swallowed by a great fish, I'm going to suggest that you draw conclusions from the scripture. He experienced a storm. He experienced being put in the belly of a great fish. He experienced the vomit on the beach. He experienced the shade of the tree. He experienced the death of the tree. He experienced the agony of not being the person that God called him to be. But guess what, ladies and gentlemen? Ultimately, ultimately, God told him to go to the Ninevites and ultimately Jonah went. Why? Because it was who he was purposed to be. His life would have been much better. His story would have been much less Hollywoodish had he simply followed and pursued what God had called him to be. Listen, God does not want us to create a testimony. It's not about having... Uh, uh, one of these, these dark lives that's in this ditch and that ditch and then we can talk about God reached down in the midst of my depravity and set me on high. It's not about that. It's about simply being His. God has called us all to salvation. God's call continues to ring out to fulfill our purpose in the local church. And in closing today, I just simply want to ask you, who are you? Who are you in your being? Have you heard his call? Are you pursuing his call? Are you seeking to advance his kingdom right where you are? He's planted you, and as I've said many, many, many weeks on end, he's planted you exactly where he has purposed you to flourish. But flourishing is not about what we gain. Flourishing is about being emptied for him, being his hands, his feet, to his glory. Will you pray with me? God, we come to you today and we ask, as we sit in this room and as we think, there's a lot to think about this morning. The question, because we're so used to, to doing things and so used to doing things and 
trying to jump through this hoop or that hoop to look apart to maybe sometimes to impress people but sometimes just to kind of make ourselves feel better about where we are because if we look at who we are and we look at the things we've done sometimes we bought in the lie that if we can just do more and more and more and more it will cover up the bad things that we've done but you see covering up the bad things that we've done are never going to be covered by what we do they're solely going to be covered by what you've done on the cross you've not called us to do you've called us to be to be your your child to be a child of the king God in this room this morning there are many people young middle-aged older seasoned adults they've been doing church for years and they've gone from this church and that church and they've had this experience and that experience some good some bad some ugly and some somewhere in between but in this moment they're in this room you have captivated their attention but you see even that God's not interested in captivating our attention he's interested in captivating our hearts so this morning as we sit in this room God we know and we recognize that you're calling us to your son Jesus Christ first and foremost to accept him to invite him into our lives because we we can't lead our lives the way we've been leading but Lord for so many of us still decades after we've made a commitment to pursue Christ and after decades of being in church and Sunday school and serving on this committee or volunteering for this we've been so busy 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 doing things for you that we failed to be in existence for you this morning your call is ringing out that call that isn't going away calling that has been sustained for years and years it's become so monotonous in our lives we've tried to avoid it at every step of the way but today there are some in this room that will say God I've heard you I sense your call on my life and Lord today today I'm ready I'm ready not to do good things for you I'm ready to be the person that you've called me to be as I seek to grow in knowledge and understanding, as I seek to equip, to build up the church, to advance your purposes in the world as we seek to reach people, help me to be the person that I need to be. And for so many in this room, that's their prayer today. For others, they say, you know what? I really do feel like the Lord is leading me to plant and to bloom here at First Baptist Church. And Lord, as we come to you today, we don't invite people just to attend First Baptist. We invite them to be First Baptist Church. To be the church that you've called us to be with all of its warts, with all of its messy chaos, spirituality. Following Jesus is messy and we recognize that, Lord. Maybe today some are being called here in this place as a place of service. God, however you're speaking, however you're calling... May we not run, may we not attempt to hide, but help us to be present in this moment, in this time, in this place, in this space for you. That's our prayer. Lord, may we answer your call, answer the Holy Spirit's work in our lives, and be faithful and true to being the people that we need to be. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. If you're here this morning, 
Maybe you need to trust in Christ as your personal Lord and Savior for the first time. Maybe it's to answer his call to make that public. This altar's open. We invite you to come. We invite you to come to receive Christ. Come to be the person that God has called you to be. Come to flourish, to bloom where he's planted you. First Baptist is doing great things. But see, when we do great things, it's not about really doing, it's about being. Be a great people. Be a great people that's pursuing the goodness of God, the truth of God, the purpose of God, and advancing his kingdom one life at a time. This is your opportunity in this invitation to respond. If you're here and God's spoken, won't you come, won't you come, receive, and be the person he's called you to be.